Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to also go to Luke chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, one verse of scripture, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 31, it says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Would you stretch your hand this direction? Pray God's blessing and anointing over your pastor this morning as we share in the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you today. Thank you for the wonderful, sweet spirit that we feel here this morning. What a day. What a moment in time and eternity for this church, this town, this county, this community. And Lord, we come now to the breaking of the bread of life. We pull up to the banqueting table of the master. We covet the anointing of the spirit. Lord, for the, the letter of the law killeth, but the spirit gives life. So, Lord, if you don't anoint, then your word will not go forth as you intend for it to go forth. But anoint this servant, anoint every ear to hear. And may your name be glorified in all that is accomplished. For these things we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. For a few moments, I'd like to talk to you about various moods at Christmas. Various moods at Christmas. It is a commercial bonanza now like never before in our history. You barely get past summer vacation and it starts. Christmas, the latest electronic gadget. Christmas, extended time off from work. Christmas, sitting on the lap of the man in the big red suit. Christmas, family time and gluttonous moments with food. <laughs> I got an amen on that. Christmas, nostalgia that includes heartfelt songs of old and movies that never grow outdated. Christmas, dealing with the challenges of managing budgets while trying to appease Little Johnny or Big John's wish list. I mean, for so many people, Christmas has different and various meanings, literally and especially when there's a year where the economy is down, Christmas revenue spells success and sometimes even survival for businesses going into the new year. Listen to these words. Along with night lights and manger sights, the buying of gifts and frantic shopping trips, children's laughter and bare trees the day after, a variety of foods and changing moods, these are the sights and sounds of Christmas. 
This morning, though, for a few moments, I want to zero in on that changing moods concept. You know, hidden moods often surface during Christmas. For some, depression settles in because of their loneliness. I have heard people say, they've said it to me, I can handle almost any holiday as a divorcee or as a widow or having lost a child tragically to death with the exception of Christmas. Someone told me once of a family member that every Christmas travels somewhere by themselves just to cope with the large hole in their heart that is due to past tragedy. Psychologists report that in spite of the spirit of elation, depression levels are highest during Christmas than at any other time during the year. Not knowing the mood that you find yourself in this Sunday before Christmas arrives, I want to declare to you by the grace of God that you can make it a season that is bright in spite of your plight. Let's spend a few moments this morning evaluating some moods of key characters in the Christmas story. Let's start first with the mood of Herod. His mood was self-serving. He had heard a king was to be born. And so he sent representatives to inquire about the king and to pay homage to the king. But in reality, he was concerned about the threat to his own throne. And the scripture tells us in Matthew 2, verse 16 through 18, that, that when Herod realized that he had been deceived by the wise men, he was very angry and he called for all male children, two years old and younger, to be killed immediately because he saw Christ's birth as a threat to his own throne, his own agenda, his own plans. He was looking for his own personal political advantage. And can I tell you today, uh, for some, this is, this is not a happy time because they're, they're interested in grabbing and they're interested in getting. They're interested in receiving. Much like Herod, they're wrapped up in self-serving. Hey, hey, let's be real today. Jesus, the reason for the season in many people's lives has been placed on the back burner so that we can realize the joy of our toys and the pleasure of our treasures and the, the flaunt of our wants. And if we're not careful, we will become like Herod and the mood of the Christmas season will become self-serving and will become about us. Let me just come by and tell you this morning, friend, that you have no more worth if you are given a Jaguar or a, a Mercedes or if the Federal Reserve was emptied into your bank account your worth would not measure more in the eyes of God because your worth is about the depth of your relationships and your worth is about who you are in the one who disrobed himself of glory and became God in the flesh and gave his very life for every single one of us. I'm here to tell you, you are priceless because of the Jesus living inside of you. Can someone say, Amen. And when you have that idea and you understand that and you keep the main thing the main thing, then, then you the mood of, of selflessness and gratitude and, and it will, will begin to overtake you because you understand and realize that God cared enough about you to send a Savior, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. That wasn't the only mood during the Christmas story, though. There was the mood of Joseph. 
Joseph, the earthly father. Joseph, if anybody dealt with pressure, Joseph felt with, dealt with pressure. And I believe a lot of times Christmas season brings about some undue pressure, some unnecessary pressure. You know, we talk about the young virgin, the Virgin Mary. In fact, some go to the extent of making her deity and worshiping her. But can I tell you today, Joseph had some moods that he had to deal with that first Christmas. He, his mood was that of, of feeling pressured. He was wondering, he was under the pressure, was Mary unfaithful to him? He was, he was under the pressure even if she wasn't unfaithful. And even if I buy into this story that what has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, he said, I should just kind of put her away, away secretly. But thank God for the intervention of the angel from heaven that interrupted his plans. But really what I want you to get today is the, the force of social pressure that Joseph was under. He was, the, what will the family think? What will friends say? How will the, the neighbors react? Hey, whether we want to acknowledge it or not this morning, friend, many of us deal with the pressures of the Christmas season. Some of us are trying to figure out what's the budget going to look like. We ask this question, several of us have, did we get the kids enough? Did we get them too much? Anybody discovered that presents get smaller as they get older, but they get more expensive? I ain't wrapped my mind around that yet. The crowds are intense. There's the pressure of that. And the crowds can be rude and they can be brutal. Let me tell you something. How dare you if somebody's been camping outside of a store all night long to save $50, they will cut you if you cut in front of them. <laughs> pressure. The pressure of having that one drink to celebrate the season. Oh, certainly it, it won't hurt me. Pressure if I get a certain gift, will I succumb to a, an immoral choice because of, of that pressure? The pressure it takes 30 minutes to get through the checkout line at the local Target. The pressure, you got to get the part right. The song has to be sung perfectly. Everyone has to be on cue. But I want to say today that what we need is we need the mood of Joseph because after he had had that encounter he released the pressures of the season and he surrendered to God's word and God's will and the miracle of the incarnation came to pass. I'm telling you today take a deep breath decompress and stop and pause for a moment be in the moment of this season be in the moment and understand that Jesus Christ the greatest gift that's ever been known to mankind has been given to you unwrap the gift and enjoy the pleasures of having a relationship with Jesus Christ release the pressure of this world and live in the peace that comes from on high someone say amen, amen. then when you move on further you find that there was the mood of the magi or who we have historically called the three wise men they came and they said where is he, these Gentile astronomers? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. They had one thing in mind, and one thing alone, and that was their mood was worshipful. They wanted to worship the Messiah. The distance didn't matter. 
It didn't matter how long they had to travel. They knew that the stars that they had been studying, suddenly a star appeared that they had never seen before. They had heard their Jewish counterparts talk about a Messiah that was going to be born. And so when they saw that star, they were amazed because it was something they had never uh, beheld. But then something took over inside of them and they wanted not to worship the star, but to worship the baby king that the star led to. They had a worshipful disposition. As a matter of fact, the distance that they traveled didn't even matter. In fact, some Bible scholars have estimated that they traveled up to three years for Matthew says that they followed the star to a house where the young child was. In other words, the sacrifice was no sacrifice at all. The most expensive gifts of the day were brought and laid at the feet of this toddler to show their worship and their allegiance in this humble cottage where they showed up to pay homage. They knelt in their royal garments unconcerned about the dirt on the floor, the grime and the lowly conditions. They were coming to pay their respects to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me just stop here and insert something and I won't take a lot of time but let me throw this in here. When they left the encounter, the Bible says they left a different way than the way they came in. May I just stop here and preach a little bit? May I just stop here and tell you that when your mood at Christmas and throughout the year is for the primary purpose of acknowledging the worth of who he is, can I tell you every single time you will leave different than when you came in. Every time you come into his presence, when you come in with a desire that says, Lord, it's a rough day, but I'm going to worship you. I'm in the valley today, but I'm going to worship you. I'm having a tough time today, but I'm going to worship you. My feelings are trying to overtake me, but I'm going to will my mood to say, you are my king. You are my Lord. You deserve my greatest worship. You deserve my deepest intimacy. I guarantee you, like the wise man, when you approach the throne that way, you will leave a different way than when you came in. Oh, I wish somebody would give him praise. Hallelujah. And let's face it, fear of Herod and what he would do to them. The influence of Herod, maybe the potential of a political promotion, it all could have thrown them off. They would have lost track of that star that led to the king. But they made up their mind. The Messiah had come, and only worshiping him would satisfy the inner cravings of their hearts. Hey, friend, he left streets of gold to come to streets of mud so that you and I could leave streets of mud and go to streets of gold. He left the land of the living and came to the land of the dying. So praise God, we could leave the land of the dying and go to the land of the living. He left perfection to come to foul corruption so you and I might leave foul corruption and go to sweet perfection. The apostle Paul put it best. He said, he who was sinless took our sin so that we who are sinners might be made the righteousness of God. And that's why today I have no problem lifting up my hands and worshiping my Lord who delivered me from hell and now I'm 
will worship him without reservation. We have the right, we have the privilege, and we have the responsibility to worship him. Our mood, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year, has to be that of the wise men. Worshipful. Finally, the mood of the shepherds. It was joyful. Joyful. They were told while they were keeping their sheep, do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings of great joy. They went to find the babe. Shepherds did. Verse 17 says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning their child, this child. In other words, salvation is here. Goodwill is here. Good news or tidings is here. Peace is here. The Savior has been born. They heard it. I'm asking you, have you heard it? They proved it. I'm asking you today, have you proven it in your heart? And then they spread it abroad with great joy. There's your three-point sermon. Didn't take near as long as the rest of this. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They told the good news to everyone they met. Shame on you if you're backwards about saying Merry Christmas. Many say Happy Holidays. And I don't say Happy Holidays back. I always say Merry Christmas back. I thought... We're living in the 21st century. What would shepherds, what would they look like today? Their mood, their joyful disposition. Maybe it'd be something like this.
That, my friend, is shepherds in the 21st century. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He's deposited it inside of you. It's unspeakable and full of glory. Thank God for the joy that he gives to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Christmas finds us where we are. For one, it is the first Christmas without her father. For one, it is his first Christmas without his sister. For one, it is her first Christmas without her husband. For one, it is the first Christmas with their newborn baby. For some, it will be the first Christmas with their new bride. For some, it will be a plentiful Christmas. For others, a scant Christmas. But in the grand scheme of things, the most important thing is that every one of you in this room have a right, have an opportunity to have the greatest gift that was ever given, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, while no one's looking around, you'd say, Preacher, things are not good between my soul and my Savior. I'm not where I should be with God but I want to be. Maybe you would slide your hand up and put it right back down. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Just want to be able to pray. God bless that hand. Others, just slide your hand up and put it right back down. God bless that hand. Today could be the greatest Christmas you've ever experienced. Let me say to you believers that are present in the room maybe it's been a, a very difficult 2019 sometimes we have to will our mood we have to will our mood to reflect that the Savior has come that joy has come to the world and that of his kingdom there will be no end I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, quietly, reverently, if you would, in the house of God. It's been a beautiful morning already, but we would be amiss if we didn't give someone that would like to accept Christ an opportunity to come forward for prayer. And so I want you to know this altar is open. We'll meet you here. We'll pray with you. We'll help give you, with the grace of God, the greatest Christmas you've ever known by turning your heart to Jesus Christ. Wait just a moment. Father, I pray for those that raise their hands. I pray, God, that you would continue to deal with their hearts, maybe at their bedside or at the side of their couch this afternoon, or maybe they'll pull over on the side of the road. And they'll say, I can't take it anymore. I've got to have you, Lord, in my heart. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling pressure this, this Christmas. I pray for those who are struggling with their joy because of the events of this past year, some loss that they've gone through. 
Lord, would you, would you touch the hearts of your people today though, so that when we leave this place after hearing your word, that we would will our mood so it wouldn't be self-serving or wrapped up in pressure, but that it would be worshipful unto our Lord, that it would be joyful for the greatest gift that's ever been given to us. We praise you, we thank you, and we bless you.